His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. I have never been to Niagara Falls, but I am told the sound and vibration of the water makes your heart race faster. The roar of the waves is so loud, it drowns out all other voices. The sound of Jesus' voice must have done the same to John's. It certainly made him turn around and take notice. John heard the voice of God, the voice of all authority. There are many voices throughout all segments of society clamoring to be heard. Are you listening to God's voice above all others? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. And his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, the pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The Apostle John wrote those words about Jesus Christ, not as he was when he lived on earth, but as he will be when he revisits the earth at the end of days. Today, Ron returns to the book of Revelation as he continues his series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth and the Return of Jesus Christ. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule or make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with part two of his message, The Mystery of the Seven Stars. I remember years ago, my, my dad, as he was getting a little bit gray, I tried to put a little bit of that men's stuff, that color stuff, and his, his mustache turned green. So, you know, that's kind of the way we are. We're just, we, we don't want age to hit us, right? But in the Bible, here's what the Bible says about age. Proverbs 16 and verse 31, a white head is a crown of glory. Well, if that's true, then the ancient of days must be full of all kinds of glory, right? Leviticus 19 and verse 32, you will rise up before the white head and honor, honor the face of the old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. He is an ancient sage. He, he looks the part of wisdom and experience without any loss of capacity. This is, this is the God of the Bible, and this is Jesus. You'll never find the Ancient of Days sitting in a wheelchair or checking into an assisted living center. Oh, no. Uh, he is ancient in every sense that we might understand beyond time and eternity without the shrinking of capacity. Number three, he is passionate, passionate and full of conviction. Look at this in verses 14 and 15. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. A little anatomy lesson here. He goes from his eyes to his feet to his face. And notice his eyes. Now you look into somebody's eyes, you might be looking into their soul, some people say. The eyes say everything. You meet somebody that has shifty eyes, you, know, you don't trust them very much, do you? You know, somebody, I, I watch these guys interviewed on television sometime, and they're asked a hard question, 
and their eyes immediately go down. That tells me they aren't very comfortable with the answer, right? We watch the eyes. It's one thing to, uh, to have a you know, passion in your belly. It's another thing to, to have some fire in your eyes. And that's what you see when you look in Jesus' eyes. John says his eyes were like a flame of fire. There's passion in those eyes. There's conviction in those eyes. There are two kinds of people in this life. There are firefighters and fire lighters. You know what a firefighter is? That's somebody who comes along and throws cold water on your passion. Stay away from firefighters. A fire lighter is somebody who comes alongside you and fuels your passion. You want to know who the biggest fire lighter in the universe is? It's Jesus, whose eyes are full of fire and passion. And you get close to him, and you get filled with his Holy Spirit, you, 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 will, you will exude the passion for all the right things and for the things for which he created you. Uh, you, you, you find that you're losing your passion, you're taking your eyes off of Jesus, whose eyes are full of passion. And there's conviction there as well. There's conviction. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished bronze. A picture of conviction. You know, G.K. Chesterton once said, tolerance is the virtue of the person without convictions. Why do I say Jesus is a person of convictions? Because he said, I am the truth. He He had no confusion in his mind at all about matters of truth. He didn't say, well, you know, your truth is your truth. Truth is relative to the individual, whatever you want to make that to be. Hogwash. He says, I am the truth, and I am the way, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Tolerance is the virtue of those who have no convictions. And yet Jesus was full of passion and conviction Yet he did it with a sunshiny smile on his face. Look in verse 15. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. That's the beauty of Jesus who was full of grace and truth at the same time. You, you want to know how to be full of passion and conviction about something without being mean-spirited without, in a way that you have the smile of the sunshine on your countenance and your face? Well, that's the picture of Jesus. Full of passion, full of conviction, but with a sunshine sunshine smile on his face. Try saying that three times, right? So he's passionate and full of conviction. Fourthly, John paints yet another picture here. And I would say it this way, that he's the voice of authority. Revelation 1, verses 15 and 16, his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand... He held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Interesting, isn't it? His voice. He goes from his eyes and his feet and his face now to his voice. There's twice in John chapter 1 where John mentions, I heard the voice of God. First, it sounded like a trumpet. And it made me turn around and look and see who it was. And it was the one like a son of man who was standing in the midst of of the seven lampstands. Now he hears the voice of God, and it's the sound, it's the roar of many waters. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I'm told that the sound of the roaring waters and the vibration it creates makes your heart race a little bit more. I don't know, maybe it's the romantic spot too. I don't know what it is, but there's there's something about the sound and the roar of, 
many waters. It's, it's a voice of authority. Oh, we know elsewhere from Scripture that God can sometimes speak in a still small voice. But in Revelation, he speaks with the sound of a trumpet and with the roar of many waters. He is the, the voice of authority. Why do I say authority? Because John goes on to say, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. What's this two-edged sword all about? Again, we don't have to speculate. We don't have to, you know, leave it in the realm of mystery. If we know our Bibles well, we go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, which says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We could also go to Ephesians chapter 6, which calls uh, the sword of the Spirit the Word of God. Okay, so out of this voice of roaring waters, this the sound of the roar of waters comes a sharp two-edged sword. Jesus is the voice of authority as he speaks his word to us. Now, I'm concerned that there are a lot of voices in our culture today that are trying to speak and get our attention. I mean, just the 24-hour news chatter, the social media chatter. I mean, we got these smartphones, the dumb phones, the everything phones that are beeping at us and chirping at us and trying to get our... Everybody, somebody's trying to speak to us somewhere literally 24 hours a day. I mean, there are times that I forgot to turn off my phone at night and at 3.30 in the morning, bing, 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 wakes me up. Who in the world is trying, you know, you've been there before. And if we're not careful, all of these clamoring voices will drown out the one voice of authority we should be listening to, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd all love the Lord to speak to us in a loud voice to get our attention. More often than not, he he speaks in a still, small voice, doesn't he? Right through the pages of his word, which means we've got to be in his word if we really want to hear the voice of God and to hear that voice of authority in our lives. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Mystery of the Seven Stars, right here on Something Good Radio. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand, visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good is only able to provide these free resources and this daily program through the faithful financial support from friends like you. As you give your gift to Something Good Radio today, we'll give you the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now from the Book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's all 20 messages in Ron's teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. It's our way of saying thank you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's get right back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Mystery of the Seven Stars. 
And then in verse 16, right in the midst of all that, John says, and in his right hand he held seven stars. Another picture of his authority. But it introduces us to the mystery. The mystery of the seven stars. And like this mystery, again, we don't have to speculate, we don't have to guess. Jesus tells us. He, he solves the mystery. He says in verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Well, that answered a question in one sense, but it also introduced another one, and that is, what does he mean by the angels of the seven churches? Because does that suggest that every church has an angel assigned to them, kind of like the guardian angel of a church? Uh, so, some people go that direction in their interpretation. Uh, others say that the word agalos, which is translated angels, can also be translated messengers, and that this is really speaking of either the prophets or, let's just say, the pastors of those churches. Because John records for us in Revelation 2 and 3, Seven actual letters written to seven actual churches in physical places 2,000 years ago. It would be reasonable to suggest that everyone that was introduced and to the angel or the messenger of the church, that they were directed to the pastors. And this picture of Jesus holding uh, the seven stars, which are the angels or messengers or pastors to those churches in his right hand, is a picture of him having authority not only of, over his church, but anybody he puts in leadership in those churches. That's again why I say, don't ever say this is Ron Jones's church. No, it's not. I, I'm just an under-shepherd here. I report to the head of the church. I'm one of those guys he has in the palm of his hand. He has authority over me just as he has authority over his church. He said, I will build my church, not you will build my church or I will build your church. Pay attention to those personal pronouns. I will build my church, Jesus says. He is the head of the church. He is the voice of authority. And if we ever mess that up, you read on in some of these letters to the seven churches, the thread is, you mess this up, I might take... Take away your lampstand, your place of influence in a community. You go to Western Turkey today, visit the sites of all the seven churches. Not a one of them exists today. It's rocks and rubbles and a mosque on the top of it. Now, sometimes that's the cycle of a church. A local congregation might last about 70 years. Not because they were doing bad things or because they drifted away from the one true voice and it's possible that God says, I'm removing your lampstand. I'm removing your lampstand. Because the church is to be a voice of influence in the culture. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he turned to his disciples and said, you, you are the light of the world. And you're the salt of the earth. We're, we're to shine the gospel light and to be uh, a place and people of influence in a culture. And, and if, we, if we don't fulfill that purpose... He shuts it down in one way or another. Uh, that's a, a very real threat that we find in the pages of, of these letters to the churches. There's one final thing, a picture that Jesus gives, or John gives to Jesus, and that is of Jesus as a comforting presence. Let's look in verses 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, 
and the living one I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Uh, Don't you love the picture here? This is very common in Scripture. John and others who came into the presence of the Lord. Sometimes it was just an angel that caused this, but John falls down like a dead man worshiping the Lord. And that's when Jesus, with his right hand, just reaches out, puts a hand on John's shoulder and says uh, two very comforting words. He says, fear not. Fear not. Some of you need to hear those words today. Some of you got some news earlier this week that you didn't expect, and the fear that came to your heart eclipsed all the faith that you had. And you need to hear the words, fear not. From the one who is a royal priest, an ancient sage, one who's full of passion and conviction, one who is the voice of authority and has it all under control, puts his hand on your shoulder in the middle of the night when it's dark and you're scared, and he says, fear not. And why fear not? Because I'm the living one, Jesus says. I died. (laughs) That's the greatest thing we fear, isn't it? The fear of death. He says, I've been there. And I died, but now I'm the living one. I live forevermore. I've conquered. I've conquered the greatest fear you could possibly have, the fear of death. And then he goes on to say, get this, I have the keys of death and Hades. You know, Jesus carries around two sets of keys with him. This is kind of an interesting study in the Bible. Matthew chapter 16, he said to the disciples, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he says, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. (laughs) Handed them to Peter and to the disciples and to leaders of the church in every generation. That's one set of keys, the keys of the kingdom. It suggests that we, we go in his name and in his authority in some way as his representatives. But then he talks about the keys of death and Hades. I I go into this in detail in my book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, but Hades is the temporary holding place for departed spirits. What happens at death? The body separates, or the spirit separates from the body, and unbelievers go to Hades, not technically hell. Nobody is technically in hell today. They're in Hades, in a place of unimaginable torment, awaiting the day that this Jesus we're we're getting introduced to here in the book of Revelation will take both death and Hades at, at a time known as the great white throne judgment. Now I'm in Revelation chapter 20, where all unbelievers are standing before the great throne of God. And Jesus says, that's when I take both death and Hades and the inhabitants of them and cast them into the lake of fire, which is a synonymous term to hell itself. He holds the keys to that. There are no duplicate keys. Nobody else has an extra one laying around somewhere. He alone has the power and the authority. He holds those keys. For John, at this moment, it was a source of comfort, a comforting presence. John, don't fear. Don't fear. You don't even have to fear death. I overcame that. I'm alive forevermore. And I got the keys. I got the keys to your future. I got the key to your eternal destination. You place your faith and trust in me, you you haven't got a thing to worry about because I hold the key. You reject me, I also hold the key. And one day I'm going to take death and Hades, cast it all into the lake of fire, and I'm done with it. It's a sobering, sobering moment. 
But we're getting ready to, to launch into, oh yeah, some of those juicier parts. We'll get there in a few weeks. We've got a little bit more groundwork to do to talk about those events in Bible prophecy as we race toward the end of the age. Boy, before we get to that, we, we need a vision of Jesus, do we not? And I'm so glad for Revelation chapter 1 for that very reason, to see him for who he really is, even as he unpacks a few of the mysteries and solves them for us. All of the mysteries of life and death are found in Jesus Christ. Uh, mysteries of the afterlife, even mysteries of the apocalypse. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Mystery of the Seven Stars. And Ron, the theme for the past couple of days has been the authority of Jesus Christ. And we see a picture here of the one who has authority over everything and everyone. Talk for a minute about that as we wrap up today's program here on Something Good Radio. You know, Brian, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That very same word spoke the entire world into existence. And so when John chapter 1 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it is telling us that God came down to live with us, to teach us, to redeem us. Now, the scripture is very clear. That word was Jesus Christ. Yes, he was fully man, but he was also fully God at the same time. So what I'm saying is that both before his incarnation and then again here at the end of this present age when Jesus returns, we see a very clear picture of the one who has authority over all things. Uh, you can tell that he was a man of authority, even as you read the Gospels, when Jesus was talking to his disciples or when he spoke to the Pharisees or when he hung on that cross or when he looked Satan himself right in the eye and said, for all intents and purposes, you have no chance of getting me to step outside the will of God the Father. Uh, this, this was a man who had unprecedented authority, not only over all creation, but over sin and death as well. And it is for his sake that I share his gospel, Brian, because I know who he is, and I know that he longs to see everyone come to the knowledge of God in a way that leads to repentance. But the day is coming when his authority will manifest itself in a whole new way. And I'm talking about his glorious return. On that day, the time for getting saved will have passed. Whether we die or whether we remain alive until his return, it will at that point be too late to accept his free gift of salvation. So I urge all of you who are listening today, I urge you in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to repent before him today while it is still called today. Because as great as his love and mercy are, it is also true that we are talking about the one who has the authority to cast unbelievers into hell, to be separated from him for all eternity. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Friend, don't let another second pass before you open the door and let him in. Such a powerful message, Ron. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. And before we go, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Well, Brian, what if God wrote you a letter, a personal letter to you or to your family or maybe to your home church? What do you think he would say? 
Would it be filled with grace and mercy and a lot of attaboys for a job well done? Do you think he'd point out your flaws and your failings, uh, showing you a clear picture of the areas in which you need to improve? Or or maybe uh, it would be something in between, a little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news. Of course, God has already written just such a letter, seven of them, in fact, one to each of the seven churches of Asia Minor, real churches that existed in the first and second century, and those letters are found in Revelation chapters two and three. I'll examine all of them starting tomorrow in my message, Letters from Heaven. It's a fascinating study, and I think it will be of great help to all of us who call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones continues his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, the last days of planet Earth and the return of Jesus Christ. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.